gifts to the graduates, and uh, and I think also somewhat to the families. I you know the it's it's not just uh, it's not just an accomplishment that the uh, that the graduates have, but their parents as well. How many of you parents that were just up here are really glad that reception is over? Let me see your hands. Yeah, uh, I, I was going to to a number of these yesterday. Uh, and, and I was just, I was just, several times I just thought, man, I'm so glad it's not me. This is so nice. And uh, such a delight to, uh, to see these, these. It, was, it was interesting for me, on, just on a personal note, uh, uh, I dedicated four of these graduates, and it doesn't seem all that long ago, but what a joy it has been to see all of them grow up here and to become the people that they are. And, and I have found also that one of the great joys is to see what they're going to become, of course, in the years going forward, and to rejoice with them as they accomplish great things. High school graduation is, um, is a pretty big deal. It is a pretty significant moment in life, and uh, it's just one of those. There are, there are, as many of you know, there are many significant moments in life that we celebrate together. High school graduates, uh, graduates, you're going to see more and more going ahead. You're going to see marriages and you're going to see, you know, a, a day that a child is born is, is a pretty big day. Uh, a day that you get that first job or you see that career accomplishment, that's a pretty big day. Uh, the, the day that, uh, you know, even add on life, you buy a house or you, you move to a new place, uh, you, you retire or you have grandchildren, you know, all of these different big moments in life. Today is, is one of those days. For my message this morning, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to ask, I, I'm having a little bit of help. We're doing something I've not done uh, quite like this before, and I'm going to ask, uh, Pastor Ben Snyder, if he'll go ahead and join me here on the platform again, you saw him just a moment ago, our youth pastor, I so appreciate he and Angie and their ministry here at Aberdeen First Assembly, and really not just to the, the youth of our church that are like here on a Sunday morning, but on Wednesday night, there are many youth that aren't necessarily a part of AFA on a Sunday, but they come on a Wednesday night, also the, the lives that they've affected throughout the community. We're both bringing this message, and we're, we're calling this message, uh, entitling it Road Trip Directives. Road Trip Directives. So what you're going to see this morning, and this, by the way, is not simply for the graduates, it's for, it's for everyone. And so while there may be some references to that, we're gonna, you're going to see some imagery, some, this analogy of a road trip. You're going to see that several times uh, throughout this morning. Uh, to begin, you need to understand a couple things just about us, the two of us that are up here. Uh, ben is 28 years old. He's soon to be 29. You are, you are so young. You are just a pup. I'm just a little and, guy. And actually, it hit me. Um, you're, you're 28. That's how old I was when I started senior pastoring. So that was, which, you know, was just like, you know, 10 years ago or something like that. <laughs> uh, actually, no. He's 28. I'm 55. A and older. Yeah. Okay. I deserve that. A little yeah. older. Uh, so I'm 55, uh, which I got thinking about when I turned over 55 you might say I'm finally up to speed, if you know what I mean. I'm, 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 I'm at 55. Some of you are exceeding the speed limit. But anyway, um, so this, this road trip imagery, if you will, uh, our mile markers, our mile markers, uh, if you will, are 28 and 55. 28 and 55. He's on mile marker 28. I'm on mile marker 55. And, and like 
unlike many places, uh, this, this, this mile marker does not go into the many hundreds, but as you know, and you know where your mile marker is, very seldom will you see mile markers going beyond 100. Now, you may know some. I think the, the highest mile marker that I've ever seen was 106. There was a lady in our church who passed away several years ago, Vivian Schlieve, some of you remember her. She was 106 years old. I, I've not known of many mile markers higher than that, but, but 55 is a ways down the road. 28 is a ways down the road. And put your number in there as well. Where, what is your mile marker? How far into this road trip, if you will, how far are you onto that journey? You know what your mile marker is. On our, on our individual road trip or our journey through life, however you want to phrase it, however you want to characterize it, there are some, in, there are some important intersections where you come and, and you know that you've come to a place where you're going to go in one direction or another. Well, you just saw these graduates up here, these five graduates. And uh, they're, they're, going to, they're, they're going to, they're at a very important intersection. Pastor Ben shared where some of them are going to be going to college. That, that, is, that is an intersection of sorts. In the years to come, they're going to be uh, deciding what they're going to do for a living. They're, they're going to determine where they're going to live. Those are important intersections. Again, this road trip imagery is, uh, there, there's another thing about, about this, and sometimes there are detours. Some of you know about detours where you think you're going in a certain direction and you have an objective and you have a plan and you, you, you are absolutely certain that's where you're going to end up and then all of a sudden road work ahead, detour this way and it takes you a route that you did not plan on going. There are also some things on our road trip that are, that are kind of breakdowns. If any, any of you have traveled for a time, you understand about breakdowns. You have something with the engine or something with a tire, something with a, the frame, something, something in, in the vehicle that causes you to break down. And, and there are some, you don't need to raise your hands, but how, how, many here would, how many here would remember a time in your life on your road trip where you had a breakdown? And you go, man, that just, that just shut me down for a time. It wasn't the matter of the road, a detour, but it was something that happened within me that just kind of stopped things for a while. We have these things on this road trip, right? It's not all clearly defined. We, we don't know how many miles we're going to go. We don't know all of the intersections we're going to encounter. We can't know all of the detours, and we don't know, although we do everything we can we, to avoid them, we don't know if there are going to be some breakdowns. From our perspective, from our perspective, 28 years, almost 29 years, 55 Years almost from, 56. Almost, no, yeah. no, I just turned 55. I just turned 55. I'm just barely into You're this. You're on your 56th year I, of life, No, right? I'm still, I'm 55, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my kids say, hey, you're in your 56th year. Thanks a lot. All right. Uh, so a ways into our journey, uh, we have some perspective, right? We have, you have a different perspective. You're 10, 11 years removed from where these graduates are. I'm, I'm, I'm like 36 years removed from where these graduates are and 37 years, and, and, and because of that, we have some different perspective. Yeah. And we're going to share this morning um, some important truths or directives from God's Word. We're going to share with you this morning some truths or directives from God's Word. And by truth, I mean things that are timeless and universal. In other words, uh, truths from God's Word 
that are, are true regardless of who it might be, because it relates to everyone. Truths from God's Word that relate to any time period in history because it's a universal truth. Now, there are a lot of principles in the Bible, a lot of directives in the Bible. We've, we've chosen six. We, we can't do many more because of time restraints and so forth, but, but we want to share with you, we want to share with you some, some important truths. Uh, and by the way, on the back of your bulletins, on the back of your bulletins, there's a place there for notes on road trip directives. You see a kind of a map there in the upper part of that. And, and if you'd like to, there are six things that we're going to share uh, the, the six things that we're going to share with you, some truths or directives that we, by the way, that we knew years ago. Everything that I share, everything that Ben shared, are truths that we know, we knew when we graduated from high school, actually even before then, but we have seen them proven true in our lives. Not proven true because they were true regardless. They were true before we were around. They'll be true long after we're gone but we've seen those truths operate in our lives. So these are things that we knew, but we have seen, lived out, demonstrated, we've experienced them and we've applied them in greater ways. And the first one that I wanna share with you this morning is quite simply this three-word phrase, God is faithful. God is faithful. That is such an important statement. God is faithful. I want to share with you a verse from Scripture. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, and it says this, God, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. You, you see that there. You see that on the screen behind me. God who called you. God called you. God has a purpose. He called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He... God is faithful. It's interesting that word faithful, you see it there at the very end of that, of that statement of that, of that verse in, from Scripture. That word faithful there at the end means reliable or trustworthy. I want you to understand, not just these five graduates who you saw up here a moment ago, but maybe you're here with family today or you're here because somebody invited you or you're here because, well, it's just another Sunday. I want you to know that our God is faithful. He is reliable and he is trustworthy. He, he can be trusted. That is something that I knew a long time ago, but I have seen that lived out in my life. Um, I, I, I came to know Christ on mile marker I don't know, maybe four or five in my life. I don't remember the details, but I came to Christ, surrendered my life to him at a very young age. And, and from that time to this time, uh, I have seen God's faithfulness at every mile marker in my life. So I guess you could say that for 50 years, I have had an awareness of God's presence in my life. I've experienced his grace in my life but I also have to say this, I have seen him faithful at every point in my life. I saw him faithful to me when I was a little boy. His healing power, uh, his, his encouragement, his intervention, I saw his faithfulness. I saw his faithfulness as a young man. I saw his faithfulness now, I've seen his faithfulness now as I'm a, as I'm a middle-aged man. I've seen his faithfulness. I've seen his faithfulness through discouragement and through heartache and through disappointments. I've seen him faithful. And, and, and let me say this, I have not always been faithful. 
that verse that you saw up there a moment ago says, he is faithful. But I've not always been faithful. I can look back at any number of times in my life where, where I failed him in some way, great or small. In these 50 years, I can look back and say, there were times when I was not faithful, but I cannot look back at one time, at any point in my life, I cannot look back and say, God wasn't faithful. He's always been faithful. He's always been there. And that makes the uncertainty of the future, because the, the future is uncertain for all of us. We don't know what is ahead. We don't know what, what intersections or detours or breakdowns are ahead. But I find great comfort in knowing that because our God is faithful, He's going to be there and He's going to be faithful in that place and in that time. Um, I've lived long enough to know that my well-laid plans, I've lived long enough to know that my, my careful planning, and I'm one of those guys who's a planner, I, I know that they can be changed in a second. The plans that I have may not happen, but I know this, regardless of what happens, he's going to be there and he's faithful. And I have this insatiable desire. I have this insatiable desire to communicate that to people around our world, but particularly in this community, so that they too will know the faithfulness of God. So that's a truth that I want to share with you. That's, that's one of those universal road trip directives that I wanted to share with you. Yeah. Uh, not only is God faithful, but God's word is faithful. Yes. Uh, and, and that leads us to the second truth this morning is that the Bible is true, and, and it is for me. It's not just the Bible. It's true in my life as well. Um, as I was growing up, I was so thankful to be part of a program called Junior Bible Quiz. And I'm thankful that that's, uh, we have that in our church today. There's tons of kids who are out there learning God's word and putting their heart, God's word in their heart each and every, uh, each and every week. And uh, one of those verses that I learned when I was probably just a fourth grader was Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So that verse is saying the Bible, it, it's, not, it's not just words. It's not just good advice. It, it's not just great sayings or good morals. But this thing is alive. This is, this is God's word. It's, it's active. The Bible says the word became flesh and made his dwelling, was dwelling among us. Jesus is the word of God. His, his word is alive. And, and it has the power to change us. That's why we give our graduates a Bible, because that's the most important thing that they can read, that they can get into. It changes them. It, it changes who they are. It, it can change who we are. Now, I mentioned, you know, I learned all these verses. I probably memorized hundreds and hundreds and chapters uh, of the Bible when, when I was just a kid. And so I knew the Bible was true. I knew these things were, were good. You know, but the more, the farther I go down those, those mile markers, uh, the farther I learn, the more situations I'm faced with, the more things that I come against, the more I realize how true it is. Because now all of a sudden those verses that I learned, that I've been reading, they start popping in my mind. You know, and I have a choice to make. Which one do I take? Well, now, now I know because I have God's word. I, I know which way to go. God guides me. He directs me. As, as I go into those difficult storms, as I go into those difficult choices in life, I know that God is there with me. I know that his word is true. I know that I can trust it because it's been tested. I knew it was true when I was a kid, but I know it's true more now because it's never failed me. It's always come through. One thing that I always, one verse that I always go back to, and, and I learned it as a, as a probably a freshman in high school, is Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. 
You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that's a promise that I have come back on time and time again. Whenever I am facing a storm, whenever I feel alone, whenever I feel like, God, where are you? I come back to the verse and know that God says I'm going to find him if I seek him with all my heart. If, if I go after him with everything, and, and every time I go after him with everything, I find him. I find him. He, he's there. He's there. So I know that God's word is true, not just because I read it. I could prove it to you and tell you, you know, there's over 40 authors in the Bible, and they wrote it over hundreds of years, but yet there's still one message. God, God designed it. So we could, we could go in and prove the Bible's real, but I can tell you it's true because I've experienced it. I've applied it, and it's come true every single time for me. The Bible is true, and it is for me. You know, maybe that the, the, the Bible that we just handed out, that would be a good verse to mark down. And by the way, you can mark up your Bibles, underline them, highlight certain parts, but that line from, from Jeremiah 29 is, is one worth underlining because yeah. we need to come back to that again and again. There's another truth that I have had to learn, and actually not just learn, but relearn throughout my life, and that is that without Christ, I can do nothing. Without Christ, I can do nothing. And that's, a very, and that's kind of a negative statement, you know, without Christ, I can do nothing, but, 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 it, but it, it's, it's, it's such a very central truth that, that I've had to learn and then also relearn. Uh, there's a verse, a familiar verse in the Bible. It is uh, from John chapter 15 verse 5, and, and, and Jesus is speaking. He said, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That, that is, again, one of, those, one of those verses that would be worth underlining in your Bible. John 15, 5, where, where Jesus is, is very clearly communicating this, this road trip directive, this, this really good set of instruction, this really good instruction for life, and that is if we're going to accomplish anything in life of value, particularly of eternal value, the only way that it will ever be done is if I remain connected to him. If, if I am in him, if I remain in him and he remains in me. Again, this is something that I've known, I've known this for a long time. I, I don't, you mentioned that you were in, in, in high school when you, when you read about Jeremiah 29. I don't even remember what the first time I heard about this, this verse. I was probably quite young, but I had to learn it I had to learn it not just by learning the verse, but I had to learn it by trying to do things myself and then failing miserably. Has that ever happened to you where you, you know a truth from Scripture, but you find out it's true because you do the opposite and you go, oh, that's what it says, that's what it means. And, and that's what's happened to me. There have been a number of times in my life where I've tried to do something in my own initiative. Oh, that's a great idea, or someone else is doing it, or, or this, this seems right, or this feels right, or, or sometimes we respond to things out of anger or frustration or something like that, and we go, well, that didn't work out because it wasn't something that came from the heart of God. And yet, if I remain in Him, this is a promise, this is a promise that that Jesus made, recorded in the word for us, that if I remain in him and he remains in me, we will bear fruit apart from him, separated from him, we, we will do nothing. We can do nothing. Um, that last part about remaining in him, I think if there's, if, if the last part of the first part of that phrase there, apart from him I can do nothing, um, uh, that, that remaining in him is so, 
is so key. Uh, it, that is why I guard my relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes we don't do things because we think, well, that's a violation of God's word, and, and that may be true. Or we don't do things because we say, well, that will hurt me. But I want to remain in him because I love him and I care about that relationship and I don't want anything injuring my relationship between myself and God the Father. I think one of my, one of my favorite little stories, and I'll just give it to you very quickly, is the, the story about Joseph in the book of Genesis. And he's being tempted by Mrs. Potiphar, the Potiphar's wife. He's the slave, he was, Joseph was a slave. The slave owner was named Potiphar. He had a wife who tried to seduce Joseph. He kept resisting her, but he makes this great statement. He says, how can, the master, your husband, has entrusted me. How could I go against his will and violate that trust? But then Joseph added this, and how, how could I do this and sin against God? So it wasn't just pragmatic like this would be really stupid to sleep with the boss's wife. It wasn't simply that. That's not why he, that wasn't simply why he didn't do it. He also said it will hurt my relationship with God. Because even Joseph knew, he didn't know, he didn't know hardly anything of what we know because we have the message of Jesus Christ. But I want to remain in good relationship with him because I love him and I also realize that apart from him, I can do nothing. So I guard that relationship. And, and then Jesus chooses to use us. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we finished up with the, the gospel of Mark. And there's that great line there, like the, the last verse, or maybe it's the second to the last verse in the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 16, where it says, verse 20, where it says, and the Lord worked with his people so that they could do what he called them to do. It says the Lord worked with them. He chooses to use us. And again, how does that happen? It's all through that, that being connected to him. So I, I would say that for me, that's one of the most important road trip directives that I could bring this morning, and that is that having given my life to him, because it starts there, having given my life to him to remain connected to him, and it's out of that connection that I bear fruit. It's out of my connection to, to the Lord Jesus Christ that, that eternal things happen. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the next truth that I want to bring out or directive uh, would be that I am who Jesus says I am. I am who Jesus says I am. Uh, and this one's huge. This, this one's so big, especially, you know, I've worked the last seven years with teenagers. Mm -hmm. And there's always that question of who, who am I? You know, what do, what do people think of me? Uh, you know, what do I have? What, what makes me special? What makes me different? And, and they look to so many different things of, you know, who am I? What do people think about me? And it's not just a teenage issue. It's, it's an everyone issue. We all have those questions of what are other people thinking about me? And, and we choose to define ourselves maybe through, uh, you know, how much money we have, how successful we are, how talented we are, how much people like us, how many friends we have, and, and we begin to, to base our, our, our identity uh, on those things. Or maybe our identity is based on what we've done in the past or uh, what someone's done to us in the past, and we don't feel like we can escape those things, and, and our identity gets wrapped up into that. The problem is that when we get to a stage in life where those things change and all of a sudden 
we're no longer the most talented, someone's better than us, or uh, someone has more money than us, or we, we, we lose all of our money, or uh, we don't have any more friends, or some, our best friend rejects us. Now, now who are we? You know, those things I used to define myself by, who am I now? And, and we have this identity crisis. And one guy in the Bible who had an identity crisis, and I think we can learn from, his name was Jacob. Jacob uh, had an identity crisis from a very young age, from the day he was born. Uh, he was a twin brother. The problem was he was the younger twin brother. Uh, he came out second. His older brother Esau came out first. And back in the day in that culture, uh, the firstborn child, they got everything, right? They got the inheritance. They got the blessing. They got uh, all the good stuff. And Jacob was just left to, what do I do now? Now, Jacob, his name meant deceiver. It meant liar. And he embraced that. And he went out and he traded his older brother, uh, his birthright, for a bowl of soup. He was a tricky guy. Uh, and, and then he goes out and he tricks his father, Isaac, into making him think that he was his older brother, Esau. And he gets, now he gets the blessing. He gets the inheritance. And, and there's so many stories where Jacob is just trying to, trying to make things happen for his, his own, right? He, he's not trusting God. He's saying, I got to take it into my own hands. I got to do this. I got to lie. I got to cheat. I got to steal. Whatever I can do to make it happen. Well, finally, he gets uh, advanced in his life, and he comes to a point where he's got to go meet Esau the next day. The last time he saw him, he stole his uh, inheritance, and he's worried he's going to die, that Esau's going to kill him. And so that night, uh, he wrestled with God. He literally wrestled with God. And he was kind of a tenacious guy, and, and morning came, and, and, and he said, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Mm-hmm. And, and God asked him, what is your name? He says, Jacob. He finally says, you know what? I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. I don't have it all together, but that's who I am. And God tells him, you're no longer Jacob. You're now Israel. And we know Israel today. He became the father of this nation, right? So now he is no longer this liar, this deceiver, but now he is who God says he is. Now he's one who wrestles with God. He's one who pursues God, and his life completely changed, and, and the memory of Jacob completely changed because he's one who seeks God. We are who Jesus That's tells right. us yeah. that we are. Uh, we, we can't go around thinking like, well, it's, it's what this person thinks of me. It's about how much I have. It's about how talented I am. It's about what's happened in the past. We have to let go of that and trust in what the Creator says about us. See, the Bible says that God made you uh, just the way you were supposed to be made, that he handcrafted you. That he loves you, right? I, I love the verse in Psalms that says he knit you together in your mother's womb, mm-hmm. right? He made you. You're his masterpiece. And he loved you enough to die on the cross for you. His love never changes. People's opinions of you might change, yeah. but God's opinion of you will never change. Thank you. Jesus is, or we are who Jesus says we are. I am who Jesus says I am. Mm-hmm. And, and the next truth that I want to uh, bring out to you this morning uh, is this, that that other people need Jesus. Other people need to find their identities in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Man, there are so many people out there who need Jesus. Uh, a verse, again, I, I knew, I memorized it when I was probably in fourth grade, Romans 3.23. says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. That means everybody. Look to the person to the left and right of you, they're a sinner, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a, a, a shocking news to you, but But everybody, neighbors, families, people in other continents, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. And in Romans 6.23, it says, uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So we're all sinners, and we deserve death. But yet God offers us a free gift, and that's eternal life. Isn't that the greatest news you've ever heard? Right? We deserve death, but God offers us eternal life. And I knew that from a very young age. I knew that at mile post 10, right? But I was nervous. I, I was scared to tell other people that, even though I knew they needed Jesus. I, I remember going to uh, an evangelism seminar one day, right? And the speaker gets up there and he shares this, this method of, here's how you can share your faith. Here, here's the questions you need to ask. Here's something to say, you know, because one of those excuses is just, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And uh, that was one of the excuses I used. And, and so he, he walked us all through this, and I thought, okay, this is good, but what are people going to think about me? You know, if I say, share that, I'm going to lose some friends. And uh, during that seminar, he had us write our names and our number uh, on a sign-up sheet. And I didn't know what it was for, and at the end, he, he got me. He said, uh, now anybody who signed that list, if you don't share your faith and go through this with somebody before next week, you have to uh, buy me lunch. And uh, wow. I was a teenager, and I'm thinking, I don't have money to buy this guy lunch. I better share my faith. And so I was just really nervous about this. So I went to my school, and I picked the, the guy who was like the least popular kid I could find, you know, the, the one who I thought, he won't judge me. And I went up to, to Matt. He was one of my friends. And, and I was just like, so I, I got to ask you these questions so I don't owe this guy lunch. All right? And that's how that's I shared my him? faith. Yeah, that's right. I literally told them that. It was kind I of embarrassing. Not the proper way to share your faith, no. all right? Yeah. And I went through just because I had to do it, but I was so scared about what people would think of me. Here I have, you know, the, the greatest news in all the world, but yet I was ashamed of it. I was scared of it. I was worried what people were going to think of me. And, and now that I've gone further in life, I've realized, why does that matter? Who cares what people think of me yeah. when eternity is on the line. Yeah. I mean, I can share this news and, and they could go from death to eternal life. I mean, like that, yeah. if they accept Jesus. And I have that, but yet I'm holding it in because I'm worried about what somebody else is thinking. And, and I'm thinking, that is so selfish. And so even though I knew it at 10, I, I know it so much better now. Now I don't worry what other people think. Now I know, man, I've got, I've got good news and I've got to tell people. I, I love seeing our, our students go on missions trips every year down to El Salvador and, uh, you know, they, a lot of them, they come in like me, they're a little nervous, they're a little scared of, you know, what are people going to think of me? And they go down there and they share their faith and they realize, man, everybody needs Jesus. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to hear this message. And then they come back and, and they take that same urgency, they take that same passion that, that they develop down there and say, you know what, I need to reach my friends. So it, it's so exciting. It's, it's something we all need to learn is that everyone needs Jesus. We can't hold back. It's not just for us. We've got to not be selfish. We've got to share with everyone. Well, that's not, that's not only a, a universal truth, that's, it's a universal need. Uh, my family and I, we were talking the other night, uh, one of our children is with us, and we were talking about how uh, the, different, the different generations, the differences between generations. And, and yet I, I came back to this conclusion, really there's, there's, regardless of generation, regardless of where you are on the, on the, you know, on the road, on the road trip, how many mile markers you are at, that's, that's universe. Do you know Jesus? I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of basic. And I think one of the greatest tragedies is that some people will go through all their mile markers, a whole journey of life, and never, never come into that living relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and while we, we say that's a tragedy, we have the answer, and, and we can do something about that's it. Right. So, and, and, and that really kind of leads, that, that need for the Lord leads to one more 
uh, road trip directive that, that I want to share with you this morning, other than beyond connected to this, this need for other people needing Jesus, and, and, and that I want to share with you. It's, it's a directive that relates to every one of us, regardless of the mile markers that we're on, on on this road trip, and that is quite simply this. There's more than this. There's more than this. Uh, I love life. Um, I, you know, I'm generally one of those persons that just, and I'm like, what, what's, what's going to happen today? I, 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 let's, let's get as much and do as much as we can in any given day. I love life, but What's really important to understand this last directive that, I'm, that we're sharing with you this morning, that is that there's, there's more than this. Recently, in my daily Bible reading, and, and Ben, uh, you, you shared with the youth, read this every day, but that's something I did. Somebody challenged me when I was in, actually in the youth group, um, middle school, somebody challenged me, you just read the Bible every day, and I've really tried to do that. Sometimes I've missed, but I... I Hardly a day that goes by that I, at some point I'm not in God's Word generally in the morning just for devotional reasons. And a couple of days ago, I was reading uh, in Daniel, the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is fascinating. The first part of it is this great story about Daniel and some of his friends. And the last part of it is a little bit more challenging to read because it all has to do with prophecy. But in the very last chapter of Daniel... I was reminded again how so many different places in the Bible speak of eternity. In the very last chapter of the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, uh, says how at the end of time as we know it, because there is no end of time, but the end of time as we know it, when our, our road trip, when our earthly road trip is up, at the end of time for all people, when the end of time as we know it is, is over, it says that God's people... Everyone whose name was found recorded in the book. That's not just a New Testament concept. This is in the book of Daniel. It says, everyone whose name was found in the book, uh, it says, will be delivered. If your name is recorded in God's book, it goes on to say that at that time, at the end of time as we know it, when Jesus returns, it says the dead will be raised up, God's people will be resurrected to everlasting life, and the people who rejected Jesus, the people who said no when that invitation was brought to them in one way or another, the people who said no, it says those persons will be, will be subject to eternal damnation. And boy, that's a hard concept. That's hard. Now, I'm not, I'm not questioning it. I'm not refuting it. I'm simply saying that's hard news. It's difficult news. Heaven is a real place and so is hell. There's more than this. Uh, th- there's the, heaven is not here on earth, and neither is hell here on earth. Oh, uh, it can get really wonderful here on earth at times, and it can get really difficult, but there's something beyond this life. There's more than this. Some people don't like this Bible truth. I, I hear it frequently. In fact, um, uh, we're going to hear it more and more going forward with coming generations. People rejecting not only not only this truth, but rejecting Christ because they say, well, I don't even want anything to do with somebody that speaks about heaven or hell. And yet it is a, it is a truth. Some people don't like it, but this road trip directive runs throughout Scripture. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And Jesus came to take us to one and he came to deliver us from the other. Heaven or hell is very, very real. There's something beyond this life. The thing is, Life goes very, very quickly. 
How many here have found that to be? Life goes quickly. Life goes so fast. To put it another way, the road trip, the road trip that every one of us are on, even a long one, even a long one, some of you are, some of you are well beyond where we are. Some of you aren't up to where we are. But even those who are well beyond, with, with a, lot of, a lot of miles on the odometer, if you will, a lot of mile markers that you've checked off, even for those persons, life goes so quickly. James chapter 4 describes life as being like a vapor, that it's, it's like a mist that, that is here and then suddenly it's gone. And yet God has given us his word. These, these Bibles that we distributed, uh, boy, we've been giving Bibles away a long time, Ben, to, uh, to graduates. We have, we have been uh, praying over graduates for a lot of years. We, we give a lot of Bibles away during the year to people. But these truths, these eternal truths, these timeless truths, these universal truths are for every one of us because life is here and it's quickly gone. This morning, we, we could take a lot more time, but there's a lot of things happening today and we want to be sensitive to that. We know that there are a lot of graduation activities yet to happen today. Some of you are here and you're going to be rejoicing with others. But before we close this morning, I, I, think, it would be really, I think it would be really bad if we talked about these truths but don't give an opportunity to to experience the most important truth, and that is that, that Jesus came and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. We sang that this morning. I trust that you sang that, not just sang it, but that you declared it this morning. And that Jesus came and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead so that we might have new life. So before we close this morning, I'm going to ask you this. Would you, would you all just bow your heads and and uh, I, want to, I want to give, if, if there's someone here this morning, I get, maybe, maybe you've been here for a long time, or maybe this is your first time, or maybe you came on behalf of someone else by an invitation, I want to do what Pastor Ben did, but for a different reason. I want to, I want to, I want to give you the opportunity. If there's anyone here this morning that would say, you know, I'm not sure if if I were to die, if I would go to heaven. I, I, I hear you speak about that truth, but I, 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 I'm, I'm just not really sure. If there's anyone here this morning that would just, uh, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you, would you just do this? Would you lift up one hand and high enough so that I can see it and then also just lift up your head and catch my eye? I would love to pray with you this morning. This is so important that we do this, that we give you this opportunity so that these directives that we've spoken of are not just words on a screen or on the back of a bulletin, that are not just you know, part of a sermon, but that you can start experiencing that. If that's you this morning, would you just do that here on the main floor or on the, in the balcony? Just lift up your hand, catch my eye, and I would love to pray with you before we close this morning. Is there anyone here? stand with me please everyone we want to close our time in prayer but I would like you to take these truths there are so many again we, that we could share but uh, 
let's pray that God will put these into our hearts. That we will that we will experience these road trip directives. I'm thankful for every mile that God has given you. I'm thankful for every mile that God has given you. Someone here this morning, in the next year or couple of years, your road, your journey, your road trip will be done, at least here on earth. Um, but we have eternity. I want to ask God's blessing on you. And as we make our way out of this place, a lot of people go in a lot of different directions. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word and how you've spoken to us today. I thank you, Lord, for the true, timeless principles that we see again and again from the very beginning of the book to the end of the book. Principles that we don't we see not only in your word in the Bible, but we've seen them lived out in our lives. I pray, Jesus, that ours would not be a religion simply of philosophy, that ours would not be a religion of knowledge, but rather we would have a living relationship with you, that we would not only know these truths, but that we would live these truths. As your word says, that we would not only be hearers of the word of God, but that we would be doers of your word. So this we pray. Your blessing, Lord, upon every person here, particularly upon the graduates and their families, upon all that's taking place this day, we ask your favor and your blessing. And we thank you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. God bless you and go in the presence and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ.